you know, if anything is going to have you wake up and realize what matters, it's, it's losing everything that matters. And, and so my kids have seen, they've seen me crash, but they've seen me rise. Like they've learned a level of resilience that I don't think they would have had access to if they didn't see it, if they didn't know. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 247 of the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Walker, and we have got a hugely important episode today. My guest is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. She is a holistic psychologist, health mindset, and personal development expert. She's been on Fox, CBS, Dr. Oz. She's done two TEDx talks, and she is the author of the best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis, and her newest book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and happiness. Dr. Debbie Silber is an incredible leader when it comes to understanding the psychology and the physiology and the mindset that we need to be able to approach the idea of betrayal. Debbie shares her own life experience and the five stages of betrayal, and in particular, the one where we all get stuck, the one where we are caught living that prevents us from healing, from integrating, and from finding meaning in some of life's biggest experiences. It was a truly awakening conversation. We talked about it in the context of current events. We talked about it in the context of how we each will probably at some point be connected to betrayal, whether it is someone we know, whether it's an experience we have ourselves. And this conversation really equips all of us to be able to move forward with a life of meaning. It was truly an exceptional opportunity and conversation. And I am excited to introduce you to Dr. Debbie Silver. Dr. Debbie Silver, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Oh, thanks so much. I am so looking forward to this conversation. I've been looking forward to this conversation as well because it's, oh, we're just going to go into a subject matter and we're going to dive into a topic that I think is universally affecting so many of us. And yet we don't have a framework to talk about. We're going to talk about betrayal. And before we do that, I'm wondering, Debbie, if you can share with us your background, your story, what brought you to this point where this is what you want to talk about and the work that you want to share with the world? Yeah, I don't think anybody says, oh, you know, I think I want to just talk about betrayal. No, I think this is my niche. Yeah, <laughs> no. So it's actually my 30th year in business. And as life would change, so would business. And it was health and then mindset and then personal development. And then I had my own betrayal first from my family. Family, thought I did the work I needed to do to heal from that. And then a few years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband. So I got him out of the house. Anybody who's been through it, you're, you're shocked, you're blindsided, you're 
heartbroken, you're devastated. But I was like, well, what's similar to these two experiences? Of course, me, but other than that. And I said, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my own needs seriously. That's it. Something drastic. It has to change. So I, here I was, I was, I was 50, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I was like, that's it. I'm going back for a PhD in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was determined. And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, and my life. Uh, oh, just that. Just that. <laughs> it's just so refreshing when people are like, and I have total clarity on the work I now I now do in the world. Okay, let's let's back up because you said the B word, mm-hmm. boundaries. I really, I want to go way back because I do feel yeah. like this is something people, they struggle with. This is one of the first, and and this is your work, so you can tell mm-hmm. me, but my observation has been in people that I work with, this is one of the first hurdles we really have to work through is the establishment of healthy boundaries. Some people need to do it because they have been betrayed or some other element has come into their life where they've learned that lesson the hard way. Mm -hmm. But I think we all intellectually know that boundaries need to be there, but they're not easy to put in place. How do we tackle that? They're they're definitely not. And here's what I found too. When you uh, don't put those boundaries in place, very often it's a sign of self-betrayal. You know, we think it's just being betrayed by other oh. people. Yeah, that hurts, huh? That's the truth. The truth hurts, but it's really- Why don't we just get right into it, Debbie? <laughs> <laughs> it's how I roll. Mm-hmm. It's And that's really what it is. I mean, think about yeah. it. If you know someone or something is not in your best interest and you keep going back for more, well, that's self-betrayal. Right. Look, can we just define betrayal so that we have a sense of this? Because I actually yeah. feel like- we, it, this is a loosey goosey definition. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people feel betrayed if their if their friend is running late to meet them for coffee. And then some people have experienced these like epic moments yeah. of betrayal and maybe they're all the same thing, but I'd love it if you could define what we're talking about. Sure. I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule and every relationship has them. And, you know, of course, the well, the way it works is the more you trust and the more you depend on someone, the deeper their betrayal. So, for example, a child who's completely dependent on their parent and the parent does something awful, that's going to have a different impact than, let's say, your coworker taking credit for your idea, your best friend sharing your secret. Still a betrayal, different amount of cleanup left in the wake. Okay, fair enough. And then what happens physiologically with this betrayal? Because we were talking about this at the beginning. And I said, you know, one of the things about me, I have a hard time staying angry at people. Like, I just can't remember the trigger that made me angry in the first place. And you're like, that's not betrayal. And I was like, probably you are quite right on that. So like, what is different physiologically and neurochemically when we're talking about betrayal? Yeah, well, that was actually the second discovery that there's this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. We've had probably close to 30,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. A few things about that. One thing is we've all been taught time heals all wounds. And I have the proof that's not true because there's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. Feels like it happened yesterday. But every every few months, I pull the stats just to see how people are showing up. And I really feel like for your audience, this, this may serve because these are the most common physical, mental, and emotional symptoms. Want me to share some? 
I do. Okay. So 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. I mean, think about how exhausting that is right there. 94% deal with painful triggers and those triggers can take you right down. These are the most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy and 68% struggle with their sleep. 63% have extreme fatigue. Those are your adrenals. They've crashed. 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. That's anything from wow. IBS, Crohn's, diverticulitis, mm. di- you know, um, uh, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. Most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% unable to focus. 64% are in shock. 62% are unable to concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted and you're supposed to work and raise your kids and everything else you're supposed to do. That's not easy. Just get over it. You, yeah, you see, you yeah. see what this is. And the emotional ones, 88% have extreme sadness and 83% are angry. That's exhausting bouncing back and forth between those two. 82% are hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed, a few more. This is why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. That's foundational. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Wow. And when you've seen, I mean, everything you're saying, I'm like, this is a massive parasympathetic dysfunction. Like Mm -hmm. you just can't access your parasympathetic nervous system. You're just stuck in fight or flight and like no one's solution oriented in fight mm-hmm. or flight. Mm-hmm. Is there an, an archetype of individuals who are more susceptible to this depth of experience with respect to betrayal? Uh, I, I'd love to say that there is, but there really, there really isn't. There really isn't. There is though, uh, the type of person who gets stuck and the type of person who heals. And, and there were actually three groups in the study who did not heal. The first was the group, they just refused to accept their betrayal. They, were, they weren't having it. They had their story and they were sticking with it. The second group, this was the group that were, they were numbing, avoiding, distracting. So they ran to the doctor who put them on mood stabilizers, anti-anxiety medications. They started emotionally eating, drinking, whatever. And it may have made the day a bit easier, not without a price. The third group, this was the group where the betrayer had no consequences, So whether it was out of uh, financial fear, not wanting to break up a family, uh, religious reasons, that was a big one, fear of the unknown. They just tried to put it behind them, did their best to turn the other cheek. I saw two things with this group, a further deterioration of the relationship. And this group was by far the group that was the most physically sick. So interesting. So what happened? Handle that. And can we just differentiate? Like, is there a differentiation between betrayal and grief in terms of how we need to heal? Grief is an important part of the healing process of betrayal. And what's what was so interesting was, you know, we all know that the stages of grief, one of the discoveries, this was to me the most exciting. There are five stages that we will go through to from from the place of walking in with symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that whole and completely healed state 
called post-betrayal transformation. I can talk about that. But there are these five proven predictable stages. The stages don't change. You can't skip one. You don't leave them out. If you are to fully heal, you'll move through all five. But and, and what's exciting is we even know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages and what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Most people, and I'm sure most people uh, that you see, are stuck in stage three. Yeah. Out of the five, transformation doesn't even begin till until stage four. The majority of people I see and probably you see are stuck in stage three. And what's stage three? Yeah. Well, and I'm happy to go through all of the stages. stages. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. let's do it. So stage one, if you can imagine like a setup stage, and I saw this with every study participant, me too. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, right? Thinking and doing, and not really prioritizing the feeling and being, right? Right. So table only has two legs, easy for that table to topple over, that's us. Stage two. By far the scariest of all of the stages. This is D-Day, Discovery Day, shock, trauma, right? Like the person takes a mask off and says, this is who I've been this whole time. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. You've just ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total, uh, total case a state of overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. And your worldview is shattered. That's your mental model. These are the rules. Don't go there. Trust this person. In one moment, every rule you've ever had is no longer. The bottom's bottomed out, but a new bottom hasn't been formed. It's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom bottomed out, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything to stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this? Who can I trust? Where do I live? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Once you've figured out how to survive, because it's so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, right. we think it's good. So we're like, whoo, okay, I got this. And we start planting roots here. Four things happen. The first thing is you start getting these small self benefits. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get your story. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to, right? So you start power. Yeah. So you so you start planting roots here. You're not supposed to, but you don't know that. Then the next thing is, now that you're here longer than you're supposed to be, the mind does things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that great. You plant deeper roots, right? Now, because you're here and this is what you think and what you believe, like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people towards you to confirm, yep, this is exactly where you belong. Gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels, <laughs> because it feels so bad. It's like we're sinking. You're sinking, right? And that's what happens, right? Because yeah. it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anything better. Right here is where we resign ourselves. Well, I better figure out a way to be okay with this. So here's where we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, anything to numb, avoid distract yourselves. So you do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing or that drinking, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. So it happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and right. stay there. That makes sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Want me to do the last two? 
Yes, because we need out of this one. (laughs) I'll get you out of here, I promise. So if you're willing to grieve, mourn the loss, few things you need to do, let go of your story, you can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can undo my experience, but I can control what I do with it. So I always use the example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever. Your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this mental place, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What I found so interesting to stage four is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you, right? Like you don't take the stuff that doesn't represent the version of you you want to be in that new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. Right here is where you've outgrown them. People say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they can't, keep up, they're gone. Mm-hmm. When we've made this space mentally our home, we're okay with it. We can move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. We didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now we do. The mind, you're making new rules, new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And we have a new worldview based on all you've been through and what you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Just like that. That's what happens. And how do how do we move through those? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know, I I I hear you, and now there's this level of awareness. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I see what stage I'm in. Yeah, I still don't I still don't know how to move. I still don't know how to change the narrative, change the story, to let go because it's this like physiological tension and pull of mm-hmm. war between like my brain wants to go here. But like, I can't get there neurochemically. Yeah. And that's why that stage three is the most common one to get stuck in. And I see so, so many people. It's almost like if you imagine a trapeze, they're holding on for dear life. This is stage three. They can even grab hold of the other bar. Let's say that's stage four. But they're not going anywhere until they let go of the other bar. And that's it. And unless and until you're willing to let go of your story and all the benefits you get, right? Mm -hmm. Hang on. And like, look, I I didn't do anything anybody else couldn't do. I had a really powerful story. The most important people in my life all betrayed me. But now it's such a better story, right? Right. It's like, we're helping thousands of people because I did something Mm -hmm. different. It's like you're doing something good with something bad. But But unless we can imagine something other than what we currently experience, we're stuck. And when you moved through those stages Mm -hmm. and you did that work, what's the story on the other side? Like what did that do for you? Yeah. Well, a few, a few stories. First of all, I just vowed if that while I was going through it, I said, if I can heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. I mean, that was the first thing. Integrity is my highest value. So can you imagine something like betrayal? You know, it just, there's no room for it. So it wasn't even enough that I could heal. Um, but but that was it. I, I wasn't really looking at, well, okay, now I'm a single mom and raising all these kids and all these dogs and how am I going to do this? But that was, that's what happened. And so I transformed and, and on, you know, on his own, my husband did too. So not long ago, we, we married each other again as two totally different people. Now, never in a bazillion years 
Would I have done anything like that if I wasn't totally different? For sure, if he wasn't. Um, and and betrayal, though, lends itself to creating an entirely new identity. You mm-hmm. you leave behind everything that doesn't serve. And and you you just create this new version of you that never would have had the opportunity to show up if you didn't have that experience. Now that you've had this experience and you help people work through it, what's the conversation you have with your own kids mm. around, not necessarily, I, I, don't, I don't know, can we protect ourselves from betrayal? Or how do we, like, what do you talk to your kids about when it yeah. comes to betrayal? Well, Here's the thing, and and every I would never tell a parent how to raise their kids. In my situation, my husband was the one who told them. So I think the reason why he transformed to the level that he did was when you have four teenagers looking at you like, you did what to mom? You know, if anything is going to have you wake up and realize what matters, it's it's losing everything that matters. And and so my kids have seen They've seen me crash, but they've seen me rise. Like they've learned a level of resilience Mm -hmm. that I don't think they would have had access to if they didn't see it, if they didn't know. And and they've learned forgiveness and and second chances and people can and do change. And and my husband, he on his own, he had to rebuild trust with each of my kids in the way they needed it. And of course with me too. Um, but I think it's given them a set of tools they never would have had, which is going to help them because I, I mean, they're going to go through their own things right? and they realize they can heal from it, all of it. Right. Cause you, you can't protect them from no. that. It's our inclination to want to do that. I mean, we're programmed as parents to want to protect them from those pieces. And for me, it's just right. a constant daily exercise. And am I supposed to protect here or am I supposed to let them move through the lesson and what do I need to equip them with to move through the lesson? So I love, I love what you just shared there from that perspective. And and it's so hard. Listen, I remember the first time, like one of my kids forgot their, you know, violin for third grade or something like that, whatever it was. And I used to go to school and, and bring it in. And I would always say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And then there was that one time. And I was like, I would warn them a billion times. I don't know. You better bring it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring it. And they sure enough, they forgot and they didn't bring it and they got in trouble, but lesson learned, you know, I mean, we want to save them and spare them from everything, but I don't know if we can. Well, you know what? I think what you're doing is you're setting them up. You're packing, you're packing their backpack with all the things they need to have. And it's the emotional stuff that I think is the hardest. We can think through the physical safety piece, but the emotional stuff means we've got to do that work Mm -hmm. ourselves. Yes. So for those people who are listening, who are literally like I am hanging on your every word being like, oh, this is making all of these things make so much sense. What are their next steps? Yeah. You know, the first thing is acknowledging that, that, Maybe there is an unhealed betrayal. I mean, we can spot an unhealed betrayal a mile away. In real, and here's how you know. So anybody listening to this, this is how you know if it's unhealed in work, health, relationships. Ready? In relationships, we'll see it in one of two ways. The first, the first place is if you have a repeat betrayal, that's unhealed. You keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach you a profound lesson. And until you get that, you're going to keep having opportunities. The second way is if that big wall is up where you're like, nope, been there, done that. No one's getting near me again. We think it's coming from a place of strength. No, it's not. It's coming from fear. That's unhealed. In health, and you'll see these people, I'm sure, people have, you know, they go to the most well-meaning, amazing doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease, if at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal, well, there you go. And at work, 
you know, you want to ask for that raise or promotion, but your confidence was shattered. You don't have the confidence to ask your bitter and resentful instead. You want to be a team player, collaborative partner, but the person you trusted the most proved untrustworthy. How can you trust that boss, that coworker, that JV partner? So if any of that rings true, no, there's an unhealed betrayal there. I love this. How do we differentiate having healthy boundaries versus having trust issues? Yeah. Trust is so foundational. You know, I look at trust like a brick wall. I mean, that can, the only way I know of a brick wall being built brick by brick by brick, it can take, you know, a really long time. Every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy represents a brick in that brick wall. And then in one earth shattering moment, the entire brick wall can come tumbling down. Well, now you as the person whose trust has been shattered can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest watching that thing get rebuilt. However, if you, if you want to, if you're willing, your job is to be willing to watch it get rebuilt. And the person who shattered it has to be a really good bricklayer. And the same way they did it the first time is how they do it again, brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity to show they, they, they're trustworthy, one brick in that brick wall. So people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say no. Can it be rebuilt? 100%. It's tough, tough work though. Boundaries is a bit different. Boundaries are a little bit different. I feel like that is just one of those foundational skills that, again, is so hard to um, hard to put in place. How do you the people that you work with? How do you how do you get them started on this idea of creating healthy boundaries? You know, we we move them through the the five stages. I mean, really, they'll come in at a stage two, the shock, right? Or stage three, they've been stuck a really long time, right? And that we will just move them through. I mean, all of our certified coaches, everything within the PBT Institute, there it's just designed to move them through. And uh, but first, you have to know where you are. You know, and and right. then and then even after that, you have to make that decision. How willing am I? to move through it. And we found, I mean, I remember doing this study thinking, well, you know, the people who were the hardest hit would probably grow the least because they had the most to overcome. That had nothing to do with it. It was the ones who put their heads down saying, no, 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 I am not picking it up till I'm out the other side. They blew the doors off of, of the others who were numbing, who were, you know, whatever they were doing. And what is like, what is the commonality of those people who walk in? I'm like, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to come out the other side. I'm going to integrate it. Like, mm -hmm. I want this to be the feature that heals me in my life, not yeah. that defines who I am in any negative capacity. Yeah. You know, the, they have to be willing to, to just take on their own healing without knowing what's going to happen with a partner. Mm -hmm. Like if they come in saying, I just want to be okay with my partner again, we will never guarantee this because what happens is they will improve physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And here's the thing. They may very often they'll outgrow their partner or yeah. their partner can step it up and say, I better raise my game to meet the strength of this person. So we never know. So they have to be willing to, to heal without any, uh, you know, any assurance of what the outcome is going to be. Right. It's so interesting, as you said that, because it didn't even occur to me that part of the healing was so that I could be back together with the person who initiated the betrayal. I'm like, oh, that feels like a bonus thing. I, it didn't, but it didn't even occur to me that that was part of the thinking in the process. That's what so stops people. Right. Right. That sheer desire to simply heal from experiences and make this stronger. That's one of my universal wishes for people that we all knew we had the capacity to do that. It doesn't matter if it's betrayal or Lyme disease or cancer, like mm -hmm. there's tremendous opportunities for healing that can come out of these things that happen to us. Oh, in life. The best. I mean, and that was actually the third discovery that 
healing from betrayal is so different than other life crises, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, and I have been through disease. So you, your audience, when I had peritonitis, I was in mm-hmm. ICU, the ICU for 11 days, miracle on my life. I've lost loved ones. And I was like, uh-uh, betrayal feels different for me, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked my study participants, if you've been through other traumas, does betrayal feel different for you? Unanimously, they said it's so different. And here's why, because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally right? The whole selfish shattered, rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, belonging, trust, they're shattered. Mm -hmm. And originally I was studying post-traumatic growth, kind of like the upside, you know, of trauma, any trauma. And I was like, it doesn't quite qualify. It's like, yes, you rebuild your life after betrayal, but you also have to rebuild yourself. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. And the people I see who are willing they, they start with those symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, move through the stages, get to that place of post-betrayal transformation. I don't know if I know a stronger person than someone who's healed from betrayal. I feel like in observing the world right now mm-hmm. and looking at the sentiment and symptoms of, of people walking through the world right now, that there are a lot of people who actually have felt betrayed mm-hmm. over the last 18 months by governments, by families who don't support their view, by medical practitioners. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, two levels. One, do you observe that too, or is there a different reframing? And secondly, is there a message you would want to share? Yeah. It's really like all of us who are walking around and walking through this. Because yes. I, I, betrayal really does feel like one of the sentiments that describes what's happening to people right now. You're so right. I mean, even, and you could pick apart each crisis. There are so many, unfortunately, going on right now, but let's just even take COVID. So now, and this is not to minimize it at all. I've lost loved ones. I've had it myself. But there are some people who who are, you know, just, let's say, complaining, I can't see anybody, I'm forced to stay inside, I'm so antisocial, this and that, they are rooted in stage three, right? And then there are the people who are a bit more flexible who say, okay, I'm going to take advantage of Zoom and, and FaceTime, and I only have to steam or iron the front of my shirts, that, you know, I, can, I can see so many more people, right? So you see it just with just with even the COVID experience, how some people uh, are stuck in that stage three and some uh, a little bit more more flexible. It, but but there is a huge feeling of betrayal by our, our, you know, you name it, health, government, life, mother nature, right? I mean, it's like, it's crazy mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. But I look at it, I look at it like these opportunities are really, they really are opportunities to show us, we will see the best and worst of people in times like this, right? Yeah. And I personally look, I like to look ahead and then look back and say, did I, was I happy with how I showed up with who I was during these times? And if not, now's your chance to do something about it. So I'm not sure if I answered your question there, but that's. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, you, you totally did. I, I've been really sort of delving into understanding the, the, the life experience that differentiates people's different choices as mm-hmm. they managed and moved through the pandemic. And um, I'm looking at all the individuals who have hesitancy around the vaccine, for example, mm-hmm. and they're, they're not the same people and they are, they don't have the same lived experience. There is a huge cohort though, that if I were to look at them, 
there has been a betrayal to them by the healthcare system in the past. Mm -hmm. And there is a huge reservation about this piece yeah. moving forward. And as you were talking today, I was like, partly because this has just sort of been on the tip of my mindset. I was, I see and witness that. So, so clearly once we've experienced that uh, betrayal, how we really do get caught in that stage three and it prevents us from moving forward with our worldview or making new assumptions. Like we really do get rooted in the trauma of that experience. We do. And there's a really big issue of trust. Mm -hmm. Trust is so foundational. And when it's shattered, it is not an easy thing. You know, I remember even in, uh, in the study, I, it was about companies and it was, I found it so interesting. There was something called the love turns to hate or something like that principle where we would rather purchase something knowing it's bad for us than be duped. Right. And I think a lot of people are are feeling like they're they're being duped and they don't feel safe and they don't trust and they don't feel comfortable and they don't know how to deal with that. Right. Yeah, and it's so interesting. One of the studies I looked at um, as I was looking at the literature on these pieces, in the 1950s, we had more than 80% of people who trusted the medical establishment. And in 2018, so before all this happened, like nothing was happening in the world in 2018, unless mm -hmm. something's happening to you. And then I don't want to not acknowledge that, but like nothing was really going on on the world stage in 2018. And there was a study that came out that looked at trust in the healthcare system at that point and trust in government as it pertains to health. And less than 36% of the population had any level of trust wow. in healthcare institutions or the government. And so part of me is like, oh my gosh, like the writing was on the wall mm -hmm. in 2018 that yeah. if things hit the fan where we were going to have to look to government and the healthcare system as an entity uh, for answers or trust, most of the population is not actually interested in, in hearing in some capacity along their journey. They're, um, they're ex they have experienced some level of betrayal with the system. Mm -hmm. And so I think that part is a huge is a huge component of what is taking place right now. Absolutely. And trust is so foundational. That's what gives us a sense of safety and security. Mm -hmm. So now imagine the person, the, the very people who gave us a sense of safety and security are the ones to shatter it. H how do you feel safe and secure? You can't. Right. That's why it hits us so hard. Debbie, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm I'm loving the level of awareness that you're bringing to it because you really are focusing on this as a unique form of trauma that we experience mm -hmm. and requiring a unique application of, of healing. I do feel like this is a perfect place in the interview to shift the nature of our questioning. So just like we have KPIs in our business, I believe we have them in how we live our life as mm -hmm. well. So I've got four rapid fire questions for you. Go for it. The first one, is there a book or idea that has really struck you within the last year that has changed your thinking or your worldview? This is the book that absolutely, absolutely changed my life. Conversations with God, book one. Oh, it's so Neil Donald Walsh. Hands down. I love that. We, we are like diving right in. How would you define your purpose? Uh, I mean, my purpose is to, it's like how AA is to alcohol. The PBT Institute is to betrayal. We're the training wheels until you just don't need them. I love it. What do you do every single day to help support your health? Uh, meditate, journal, exercise, laugh, connect. 
Amazing. And last question for you, entrepreneurism, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? Oh, that's such a good question. I think we can, tr I think we're born this way, but we can, we can try to learn not to be. It's my 30th year in business though. I mean, I am a hundred percent unemployable. Um, but I think roadblocks come up all the time to show us how committed we are. Amazing. Dr. Debbie Silber, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Where can we send people to learn more about the work you're well, doing? Thanks so much. I, you know, if, if you have any idea, if you're struggling or not, just to be sure, take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. And you could find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Amazing. And we will make sure that is hooked up in our show notes. You can find our show notes at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. Dr. Debbie, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes entrepreneurs tick. It's the confluence of the mindset, strategic thinking, and health that we bring to the table as contributors, as purpose seekers, as individuals building out a better tomorrow. The work that we do on the Anthropology Podcast impacts the mindset, the business tactics, and the health of those individuals who are working hard to change the world, to leave a legacy for the future. The best way that we can reach more people with the message of the Anthropology Podcast is if you help us share it. If the message that we shared in today's episode is something that resonates with you, or if you know someone who would benefit from hearing it, please send it to them directly. And if you have felt moved by the content that we have shared, I would love it if you could leave a review wherever it is that you pick up your podcast. Until next week, live life on, in, and with purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Walker, and I will talk to you real soon.